why am I the one who ends up always talking about incest? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Leah. This isn't like my thing. Anyang SAO, welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, romance novelists and your K Romance guides. So grab some deck bokey and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi there. Megan started this by saying, look, I want to have banter, which we, we she's on a banter ban right now. <laughs> for one week. She, w- she was on a banter ban for one week. And this week she's like, let me banter. <laughs> yeah. So Neil, her long suffering husband, yeah. told her to bring this banter to us, which we are giving. So this is Neil. Like we're mm-hmm. holding Neil accountable. Mm-hmm. But Neil is also the one who told her to tell us the meat stick story. <laughs> He was. He was really So excited. basically what I'm saying here is this is going to – if this is strike two, if Neil has told you to share something that is going to, like, reban you, then Neil is done with this you podcast. Might. Okay? Okay, Neil? You, you might reban me. Okay, so <laughs> have any of you watched the latest episode of MILF Banner? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I have never heard of Milk no. Manor, Megan. Okay. Should I give you the premise of Milf Manor? Please do. I think I can imagine. <laughs> I think I can imagine. <laughs> okay, listen. Listen. American reality shows are unhinged. So, and uh, let me just explain to you. I am not I am not personally watching Milf Manor, which is on TLC, and to be honest, TLC should be jailed for this. But uh, a YouTuber I follow is, like, horrified by it and was, like, talking about it and giving it a review. So that's that's the only reason I know about it. I don't want people to think that I'm, like, up to date on, like, the horrors that TLC is promoting. But MILF Manor is a new breed of, like, horrible reality show television. So it's, like, older women. And by older women, I mean, like, they're in their 40s or 50s. They have adult children. Okay. So they go on a, this show and they're like, I want to meet a young guy. Like, that's the whole point is they're like, you know, I just it's my turn to do my thing and I want to meet young men. So the twist is that the young men they bring on the show are all their sons. <gasps> Gross. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> no. It's disgusting. No. It is oh. beyond. No, it is horrible so you have these women and they don't know that that's the men that are well or they do they have they probably have to agree to this i think i think it's scripted like i think they knew but they that but like when they did the reveal they had to be like oh it was so corny though it was like oh what's my mom doing here like (laughs) it's like really bad acting is their theme song mother lover by the lonely (laughs) island oh my god (laughs) the lonely island i love the lonely island so do i but like the Lonely Island is not really fucking each other's moms. <laughs> right. <laughs> it is horrifying because there's these like young men. So one of the kids is 20. He's 20. And he has to like watch his mom like hitting on men that are like his age. At one point, she like put her arm around this 24 year old guy and she's like, this is your dad. Like, no, it no. Is- horrible and they room with their mom like the the the, the sons and <laughs> no. the moms yes they room together no. so if the mom is trying to like 
date some other guy. She has to like find a way to kick her son out. Mm-mm. It is. And are the sons wanting unhinged. to date older women? Is that why yeah, they're there? Well, I, so, I mean, I think it's scripted. I but, know, but again, like, why are we talking about this? Okay. Yes, this is this is. Well, she promised that she said, "Trust me." Well, no, this is my going point. To my point. Well, there's two ways that it's relating to this. So, first of all, my point is that that's why we love Singles Inferno so much because Korean like reality dating shows like they would never do that to us ever they're so wholesome they don't even swear but then in american reality dating shows we get like moms dating their sons like are you kidding me and speaking okay, the of moms sp- aren't dating their actual well, no sons. <laughs> but like they're dating the other mom's sons <laughs> God, I, I feel dumber. Tell I feel you. dumb just hearing. Mother lover. I'm just, you know what? If you have not heard Mother Lover by The Lonely Island, just go. It, it, it's The Lonely Island mothers. and Justin Timberlake. Please just go watch the video. <laughs> yep. Fuck each other's mouth. But I just can't believe that they had a show called Milf. Like, what in the world? Um, but anyway, speaking of Singles Inferno, I did want to tell you guys. Did you see that Nadine posted a video with Jin Young today? No. Yes. So she's in Korea because she's like, once I left the show, I like, I guess she had an internship. So she went to the United States and now she's like back in Korea visiting family. And um, she's, isn't she in school though? Yeah. So I'm not sure. at Harvard. Yeah. So I'm, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Harvard's different. Who knows what they do? But she is back in Korea no, right Harvard now. goes on, like, regular semesters and stuff. Well, <laughs> I'm assuming she didn't. She filmed it probably in January, maybe, when they were Okay, so, like, over the holidays, maybe. Yeah. So um, she is sitting down with Jin Young. And, like, I really like it because, I mean, obviously the shows are still edited Korean. Of course. You know, dating shoes. I don't think they're as bad as, like, Milf Manor. But they're still scripted. So it's kind of cool to see Nadina... Or, I'm sorry, it's cool to see Nadine, like, essentially she's, like, editing herself. So, I, you know, I like it. I like to see how she sees herself. And Jin Young is honestly so freaking personable. I love that they were, like, showing clips and they were, like, talking about, like, what he was thinking during, the, like, when they, you know, when they, like, brought him on and they played that, like, rock music that was, like, really cool and he's, like, strutting towards the beach and he said he was talking about how actually the sand was um, sinking. Like he said, the sand was like really soft there. And he was convinced he was going to trip and fall in front of everyone. So he says his whole body was tense. And that's why he might have looked like mad because he was like, oh, my God, I can't fall. And he said that one of the reasons he wasn't sure about Nadine is because he thought she was taller than him. He's like, from a distance, I wasn't sure. And I thought maybe you were taller than me. And he thought her first impression was maybe a little bit cold, um, which she says that, like, she can come across cold. So it's a really cute interview because they just. Is it on her Instagram? uh, It's on her YouTube. On her YouTube. Okay. It's really, really cute. So I do recommend checking it out because I think there's a part one and part two. And I don't know. I just I'm really liking Jin Young. I feel like he's almost doing like an interview tour, it seems like. And I've been watching his YouTube channel. And yeah, he's just like fun to watch. Do you want to know what? Hmm. You could have told us that Nadine and Jin Young story without no. ever bringing up. No, Milf I'm going to bring up Milf Manor because here's the deal. 
is that those men on that show were watching their emotional wounds happening in real time. And MILF Manor? What? They signed on to do that. No, no. those are not emotionally wounded. Those, ki- those children were emotionally wounded before they came on the show because... Okay, then we're seeing evidence of their emotional wounds on the screen. Megan. And that's what we're talking about today. They're getting paid money. They don't care. Wait, okay, wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. That was a good segue. Yeah. I had this all planned I out. Long, so where, <laughs> Please, where did Neil, strike where it. Did Neil be like Milf Manor, Megan? Yeah, he was like, you gotta ask Amy and Leah about it. <laughs> Is Neil watching Milf Manor? He watched the videos with me. We watched them together and we were like crying laughing. Not like the like the commentary videos. Okay. Like in tears. Neil. So I appreciate Neil's tech support when we <laughs> need it. your day job. Okay, I'll tell him it's not allowed. Stick, Very stick much. Stick to the day job. But as far as content. <laughs> stick to the day job. <laughs> he's no longer a producer for this show. <laughs> he is only tech support. And I had trusted him as the adult in the room. Honestly, at Megan's house, I was like, I trust him as the adult. Oh, in the my room. God. He's not. No, no. I could have told you that. No. <laughs> well, I mean, I look at you. Dane is actually the adult. <laughs> Our son is actually the okay. adult in the household. Okay. That I believe. Like, yeah. Like, like Neil and I aren't. And neither is my daughter. It's just our son, who's 12. <laughs> who's a preteen. <laughs> yeah. Who's a preteen, but he's absolutely the adult. The mature. The, ma- he's the mature on his one the last life, mm-hmm. basically. Oh, he like found out that like Neil left a candle on, lost lost his mind <laughs> on Neil, furious. He's like, you could have burnt this house down. And we're like, Dane. I mean, and Neil's like, well, it probably would have gone out. And Dane's like, yeah, this this would have been horrible. Like, well, you could have burnt the house down. And we're like, it's it's fine. You know Dane. what? I almost like, burned okay. my house down with a candle. I know you did. I with know. popcorn. I know, and I bought a fire blanket after you did that. I don't think, did I talk about that? I did. I have a fire blanket, too. Let me too. PSA our podcast. And I, and I got my parents to buy them. I had a candle going, a scented candle in my kitchen, and then my piggy children, like, you know, they're just animals, got a bag of popcorn, mm-hmm. and they were eating it in the kitchen and just kind of, like, left it unattended, like, sitting up, and it fell over on top of the candle, and... I came into it blown out fire pit happening on my kitchen counter and I had a fire blanket I had bought with my prepper mentality. So I just ran to my pantry like an infomercial, grabbed my fire blanket, threw it on top of the popcorn and candle fire and was immediately in safety. I bought one and then of course Dane immediately wanted to know how to use it because again, he's the adult. In the house. I want to get sponsored so by it. it. Can we get sponsored by fire blankets? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone should have a fire blanket. I would. I feel like it's a product that could be like, I stand behind this product. Y'all should get Audible and a fire blanket. <laughs> yeah. I told you. I told my mom your story and she went out and bought a fire blanket. That's at least three households that bought a fire blanket because you said so. And I bet there were some listeners who heard that story and went out and bought a fire blanket. I hope that people go right now. If you have not bought a fire blanket, go and buy yourself a fire blanket right now. We'll wait. You too can prevent house fires. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. 
God, I mean, my banter was just so it's eleven minutes of eleven so minutes of ridiculous. Milf Manor. <laughs> if you're still with us, everybody, why don't we get to the show? Yeah. So a good character does not have to be relatable, but they have to be believable. And in order to make a K-drama audience or a book reader believe in a character's journey, whether they are the villain or the hero, requires depth. We have to know a character's motivations to understand why they do what they do. We have often talked about GMC on this podcast, which stands for Goal, Motivation, and Conflict. It's a pretty basic formula used by all writers to map out a character. For a basic example, let's take Coffee Prince. Un Chan, the heroine, needs money, so that's her goal, to help her mom not have to work so hard and to fund her sister's university fund. Those are her motivations. Her conflict in order to get the job at the coffee shop that hires only male baristas. She has to pretend to be a male, even as she's falling for her handsome boss. However, there's a greater piece of writing skill at play here, and that's giving the character a drama. And that's giving the character a trauma or experience that cannot be easily forgotten. And in writer speak, we often call that the character's emotional wound, which is what we'll be discussing today. In The Emotional Wound Thesaurus, Angela Ackerman and Becca Puglisi describe this as a negative experience or a set of experiences that cause pain on a deep psychological level. These are often sudden when the characters have no time to raise their emotional defenses and the fallout of this trauma has has repercussions that will change the character in significant and negative ways. So if you can't tell, we might be discussing some tough subject matter today, but we think this is an important topic and something K-dramas do uniquely well. Many will often pass it off as angst, and sometimes that angst is superficial, but if done well with writing that gives the characters a core emotional wound, then that makes a truly special drama that tugs at your heartstrings and often has you sobbing. There is a formula to these emotional wounds that make it a bit easier to break down. The emotional wound has caused a fear, and that fear has caused emotional shielding, or what I like to call emotional armor, or a false lie. And because of that, the character has unmet needs, which means they aren't getting what they need in life to be happy or fulfilled. Basically, trauma has caused a character to have a deep-seated fear that makes them have false beliefs about themselves that holds them back from true self-actualization. And a character journey where they overcome this emotional wound and drop this false belief is what hooks audiences. In Coffee Prince, Unchan's emotional wound is the death of her father when she was young. Death of a parent is obviously a traumatic event, and in Unchan's case, her fear was that their family would be destitute as her mother is terrible with money and her sister is still in high school. Her false belief or emotional shielding is that she is the breadwinner and must do anything she can to provide for her mother to provide for her mom and sister. In doing so, her own personal needs, like love, aren't being met. Plus, she's deceiving people she's starting to see as friends and maybe more. If you check out the Emotional Wound Thesaurus, which we all recommend, we all use it in our writing, you'll find a list of emotional wounds a character can experience, as well as all kinds of personality traits, fears, triggers, and other details that can really help your character come to life. So that was a lot. <laughs> and 
I know. I was going to say it is a lot, but I, I really do recommend the book. Um, as I was, it's so good. I've got it right here. Like I went and got it because I'm like, I feel like I need to have it next. Yeah, to me. and I feel like I need to have it next to me when we're talking about. And it. as I was like working on the script uh, the other day for you know tonight, I was like reading the like opening like the intro of the book, which I don't think I ever actually sat down and read because it's a it's kind of like it's a thesaurus. It's like almost like a you know, a dictionary thesaurus thing where there's like a wound and then you read about the triggers and all that stuff. But there's actually a really great forward that talks a lot about the difference also between like a villain's emotional wound and a hero's emotional wound. It's a really good book. I mean, most of their books are, I would say, in conjunction with the positive trait thesaurus and negative trait thesaurus, you are like, on your way to like really crafting a great character. Yeah. And there's also just like the emotion thesaurus. So there's one not just for emotional wounds, but just for emotions. So I was like going up looking at my shelf. I'm like, wait, which one of these is the emotional wound thesaurus? Because I have like six of them. Right. I always look it's red. And I feel like that's like a good it's like a wound. So it's like it's (laughs) It's like a red on the cover. And I think it's the biggest one of them all, too, which because it's got a lot of content. And really, for any of you out there who are writers or thinking of becoming writers, all of their um, thesaurus books are really great writing tools in helping you develop your characters. Yeah, I'm a and big even nerd. settings. They have like a setting. They have like a setting. They have like setting. This, I don't, is there a, is there a plural for thesaurus? Is it thesauruses? Thesauri? I don't want to say <laughs> it. Like that's I'm trying to like get around saying many of these books. Yeah, yeah, it, they they are good. I mean, I'm looking at them right now. I have a whole bunch on my shelf. And I do use the, it's funny, because I when I sat down to craft like the current book I'm writing, I had the emotional wound thesaurus open. And I think like the negative trait one too. like I had them like, oh, they're great. They're great. So and they have like little worksheets in the back too that you can like photocopy and use right. to like plan out your characters emotional wounds. Yeah, I feel like when we talk because we talked about, you know, seven figure fiction, the um the one by T. Taylor. And so, yeah, I feel like every time we mention books, we mention like writing, crafting books on this pod. We're talking about it, but I want to make sure we still refer people to the book. I know that like we all feel that way. Like, yeah, absolutely. You know, we use it. We use them. Yeah. And like you should use them too. But we're, yeah, we use them for writing. And now they're also super handy tools for breaking down K dramas. It's the crazy way that we look at them, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like K-dramas- we talk, you know, we talk about that. Like our whole purpose here is, is, you know, looking at, k-dramas through a writer's lens but this is where we get our writer's lens from it's from all these great craft books that we've been using for like a decade you know in our writing career so like yeah that was a lot and we know it was uh and so obviously the best thing we can do is give you examples um and so we might you know we might be giving away some spoilers we'll give you a heads up on what um what Oh my gosh, what dramas we're talking about. And we will put in the show notes which dramas we're talking about. So you can kind of have a heads up ahead of time. So first of all, what what's an example of a hero or heroine's emotional wound that impacted you? Like we haven't heard from Leah in a while. So Leah can go first. <laughs> so I have a pretty easy one. I think that like, I, I look, first, let me just be really clear that I love an emotional boo-boo and a hero. I don't want this for people in real life. I think I did. I think there was like, again, like that, like toxic, I can like, I think we were just raised heavily romanticizing, like, you know, people that were damaged and wanting to fix them, especially if you're kind of in like a Gen X situation, like, look, all of like, or like older millennial, like, you know, 
I grew up like I was I came of age like I hit puberty around the time like Kurt Cobain died you know like I had that like fixer upper mentality of like you know this kind of damage is like hot and whatever I don't know so let me well I you know what hold on let before you you know what one question I didn't ask is like I maybe I should have before you get to this one is like well what is it about an emotional wound that like that captures you like why do you want to read that i mean to me i would say it's the healing so yeah like you'd be like well i don't want an emotional wound in real life well no of course you don't and i think what draws you to the emotional wounds is watching how that character heals them yes right? I, or no and i think, think so. that it yeah. can kind of drag on this like idea of like give me just a second like i want to like think about my like archetype here that i want to talk about so just give me a second Okay. Well, like going going to what you were saying about because I'm a Gen Xer as well, and I'm like sitting here shaking my head, like yes, as as Leah's talking, like there is like you talk about like that sort of you know romantic fantasy of the bad boy, and the bad boy is the bad boy because he's got emotional wounds, right? And I dated somebody like that when I was in high school who had some deep emotional wounds, but I what attracts you to that is you want to be the one to heal them, right? But you can't heal somebody's emotional wounds. They have to heal themselves. The romance might be a catalyst for the emotional wound to heal, but no one person can heal somebody else's emotional wound. Right. That is what makes it work in fiction is if it's a good writer with a good story, they're going to have that hero or heroine, you know, sort of come to the conclusion that they need to fix themselves before they can, you know, be a partner to this other person. Whereas in the real life, you know, version of it, when you're a stupid teen and you're like, I, the bad boy likes me. I like the bad boy and I'm going to make him not a bad boy anymore, which is never Mm going to happen. And I guess too, like you can, you, while either reading the book or watching the drama, you kind of insert yourself into that story. So you insert yourself and you get to either, you get to be along for that journey and pretend sort of like you had a, had a role in that. I think, you know, yeah, some people say like when they read romance books, they're like, I want to insert myself as not everyone does. But some people do say that I want to insert myself as the heroine. So yeah, they want to be like, they want to be that one that that helps to fix or is involved in the, the journey of whoever has the emotional wound. Yeah. And I think that that inserting yourself happens sometimes subconsciously, too. I mean, that's why we have, you know, sometimes whether it's a drama or a book, we have you know, visceral emotional reactions to things that aren't real because it feels like it's happening to us as we're reading or we're watching. Yeah. So, yeah, I think what I want to touch on is like this idea. I had to like think about it um, just to get like my brain and like that kind of like lit space a bit is the enduring appealing nature of, you know, what we would call the Byronic hero. Right. And so who was uh, Lord Byron? Uh, his full name, George Gordon Byron the Sixth. I wanted to look it up just because I wanted to give accurate information. Um, you know, he was a romantic poet and a peer, and he was kind of just like the fucking bad boy. So, um, you know, at the time, he was described by his lover as like mad, bad, and dangerous to know. I think I'm like kind of pulling it out of my ass, but I'm almost positive those are the exact words to describe him. Um, he, I believe just like, you know, was a bit of a hedonist in terms of sexuality. There's a very strong possibility that he did fuck his sister, his half sister. (laughs) 
Um, and he died freedom fighting in Greece. Uh, so he, but like this kind of like archetype that goes along with this, like Byronic hero is somebody who's like, kind of like tormented by like a tragic and mysterious past. They're revolting against society and norms. They're kind of like a slightly tragic figure. Who's like fighting, like not totally for good, but not totally for evil. So there's like the anti-hero bit that like makes you just be like, is he good? Is he bad? He's a little dangerous. Like, and then you think of like the characters who have like appealed to folks over time. Like, you know, we touched on twilight with like Edward Cullen, you know, for better or worse, Christian gray and, Fifty Shades played into this a lot. But then so did something like Snape, like Severus Snape, really. Like, I think that, like, you know, there's a bit of, like, people who are like, oh, like, Snape, like, he was a complicated hero that at the end, like, you know, chooses towards good. And so there's just something about this, like, somebody who's, like, feeling like because you know you could have like the superman type heroes that they're just going to be good and they're going to be on the side of good at all times but then you've got like batman who you're like oh, i kind of want to fuck batman though because he's like good but then he's kind of bad and he's got like oh my god the batman core wound i mean come on like <laughs> batman's parents were freaking gunned down in front of him and so now he's got this complicated like alter ego that fights crime in the city but like also hates the criminals and like kind of like you know does it wants to vigilante justice and so yeah there's yeah comic books do emotional wounds very well comic books yeah. do. and yeah. so there's like this like dark and brooding like je ne sais quoi that i think like really hits um and that's where i feel like in the fantasy space there's this allure and i mean like look sex a lot of times sex is about like allurement and danger and kind of what happens in that space in between and i feel like that's where like a character a hero with a good emotional wounds can kind of really like get in and like hook it themselves into you in that space so all that to be said my choice if i was going to say somebody who's really like a character that really impacted me highly with an emotional wound is from mr sunshine which i mean that whole show is a fucking emotional boo-boo essentially and then you get an emotional boo-boo watching it but um gudong may who was raised as like the very low like born into like the very lowest of class of like a very strict and rigid Joseon society um was you know part of a butcher's family this isn't like a huge you know this is like kind of like his setup story so these aren't big spoilers to it but essentially was um yeah like very much on like the low end then through a series of unfortunate events ends up figuring out how to survive in this cruel hard world by becoming a yakuza boss in japan comes back to Josen, ready to just like fucking he's there he's out for himself or is he dot 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 and so is he damaged by like the fact that is he damaged by classism the have and the have nots you know loss of parents <laughs> violent loss of parents um, witness to assault abandonment issues like he's just got everything packed into his little heart and all he sees is this like woman that he has put on a pedestal that he loves and hates and so that becomes really challenging too because his the nature of his love is hating the fixture of his love and wanting to hurt them and yet having like a true deep love for them so it's just like this complicated mess the entire time and that's compelling he's such a great wounded hero oh my gosh i mean eugene 
is a fantastic emotionally wounded hero as well. I mean, Mr. Sunshine himself. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I mean, I know you're all shocked that I'm going to go with another Kim Moon-suk drama called Goblin <laughs> or Guardian, the Great and Lonely God. Um, so no. it's my favorite drama still to this day. And I know this is a huge revelation for everybody. So, you know, hang on to your seats that I'm going to talk about Goblin again. Um, but the emotional wounds here are amazing because they span lifetimes, thanks to reincarnation. This drama has made me a forever fangirl of Gong Yu, Kim Go-on, Lee Dong-wook, and Yu and Ah. The depth of all of their emotional performances is staggering. Like, they're all emotionally wounded. And I still sob watching this drama even after three times. But since many of these emotional wounds involve spoilers, I will not go into spoiler territory. And I'm going to focus on our heroine, Jiyun Tak, because we get to see her wounds like right away. Untak's mother dies when she is only nine years old, and she's then raised by her greedy aunt who only puts a roof over Untak's head in the hopes that she'll find the bank books with the insurance money that Untak's mother left her when she died. So let's add to all that that Untak is an outcast because she can see dead people <laughs> and has been told she is the goblin's bride, like, since she could understand speech. She has abandonment issues and thinks that she's not worthy of being loved because the people who end up raising her, like her aunt and her cousins, like they're verbally and physically abusive to her. She spends much of the drama trying to get our goblin Kim Shin to say that he loves her with sincerity, because above money or anything else that she teases him that she wants, all she ever wants is the, is the security of someone's love like she once had from her mother. And that is a big, big boo-boo. So, for me, I bet you thought I was going to talk about I Am Not a Robot. Well, surprise, I'm going to give you a little I Am Not a Robot break, even though Kim Min-Q is one of the absolute best examples of a character with an emotional wound caused by a trauma who has major emotional shielding. So just go but watch you did the freaking drama. About I Am Not a Robot. <laughs> oh, shut up. So, No. So today I'm actually going to talk to talk about If You Wish Upon Me, because Ji Chang Wook plays Gyo Ray, a deliciously wounded man. So what I'm going to say about him actually isn't a big spoiler. <laughs> um, most of what I'm going to talk about happens in the early episodes. Um, I mean, but if you want to know nothing, I guess you can forward ahead. But um, so... Gyo-Rei's trauma is, first of all, from his physically abusive father and, like, terribly abusive father. Um, and eventually, you know, because of the abuse, uh, Gyo-Rei runs away and he winds up at an orphanage. And I would actually say, I don't know, we'll see if Amy agrees or any of you who have watched If You Wish Upon Me, but I would actually say that his biggest trauma, even more than the physical abuse, is that his father never came for him. His abandonment issue of being left at this orphanage and no one ever came for him, I think is even worse than the physical abuse that he endured. That to me felt like the most lasting emotional wound for Gyo-Rei. So growing up, he does lie to himself so much. So he, you know, he lies to himself that he's not worth anything and he's just like trash to be tossed away because essentially his father just left him like trash. 
Um, so, you know, he's a criminal. He allows himself to be in toxic relationships. And the only family he feels he has is a dying dog. And yes, you know, right away, the dog is dying. So don't get on me about that. So to shield himself, he's very closed off. And it's to the point that he won't even eat with others, which I thought to me was a really, really interesting kind of emotional wound trait that I also felt was likely uniquely Korean. Um, Because I know like eating together is very important in Korean society. So I think the fact that you had this Korean man who wouldn't eat with other people was just a really well-written i mean terribly sad but a well-written um like negative trait and it's not until he's forced around good people uh while he's volunteering at this hospice uh you know these good people who care for him does that emotional armor and shielding that he has built up over years start to crumble um because essentially the belief that he's trash is a lie (laughs) when he has to face the fact that that is a lie and and he is worth something and it's kind of only when he realizes that he's worth something to others that he sees value in himself i think that's a good description of gyore i mean he like so many emotional boo-boos um yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know if i would i don't know if i would agree that the abandonment is worse than the physical abuse but i think it's up there I don't, with you know, yeah i think like they right. goes hand in hand because he ran away he ran away like he voluntarily ran he away but you don't want to be an orphan like nobody wants to be an orphan right so he he wanted someone to come for him but like the fact that he ran away and his father didn't come was further proof to him cuz the the abuse Right, the abuse makes him feel worthless. Right, but it, he's like, but he's, True. but at least I have my, but at least I have a father. Right, right. And then you've got the mm-hmm. abuse, and he escapes the abuse. But the way to escape the abuse is to escape the father, and then the father doesn't even bother to come for him. Yeah, like that's yeah, it's kind of compounding. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, what's a villain's emotional wound that almost had you rooting for them? <laughs> so neither of you have seen this. So. I don't. I'm just going to go into it because I don't. Why am I the one who ends up always talking about incest? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Leah. This isn't like my thing. But um, okay. So I am going with Moon Lovers, which we, um, Sarah from K-Drama This and I um, have a deep dive that will be coming out on Moon Lovers. And I want to talk about this without spoilers. So I'm going to do my best. Essentially, the premise of the story broadly is the kingdoms have all been united under like the first king, and he has many children. Um, Most of them are sons because we have lots of princes in this drama. Many, many hot princes that hang out in mostly states of undress for large amounts of the drama in like hot tubs soaking. Um, Yet it's a man's world in many ways. Like this is a very patriarchal world. Men have much of the power and the agency. And that's really hard if you are a crafty person. So one of the characters that is in this that does not make many great decisions is a princess. And she probably honestly compared to all of them would probably have made the best fucking ruler to like follow her dad. But because she's a girl like that, that path to power is closed to her. But what can allow her to have a path to power 
is to marry the future king. However, obviously, a future king will be a brother. So she has to, uh, you know, be a brother lover to advance and be kind of like part of the power play. But not a mother lover. Then not a mother lover. Just a, just a brother lover. Yeah. No, we're good. Yeah, I'm so happy. I'm like, I, there's Megan Segway that so she didn't happy. know to go to. It was the there. incest. <laughs> From mother lover to Look brother lover. We're talking about well emotional wounds today is. on Afternoon and Delight. So, and then if you give birth to the king, then we know from watching countless, you know, Joseon historicals, you can become like, you know, a dowager queen eventually. And those always, those those are the bitches always like getting the play and the intrigue. And you know who the real power is. So anyway, there is this character that's basically like her kind of story in and on as much non-spoileriness as I can say. She makes very mean decisions oftentimes that put her at odds with people you're rooting for in the drama. However... In her mind, like, you know, the villain, like the best villains are heroes in their own story. And she's just out there trying to make this shit work. And so, you know, props to her. So I was sympathetic to her. And she also is the same actress who plays the um, the mean sister in Startup. Oh, I bet her. she's, like, she's really good. So good she's in got that, that kind role. of attitude. Oh, I bet she looks great. In... So you don't just like, I mean, she's not just like this. Yeah, she looks great, but she's also not like a monster. You're just like, okay, like you just got the short end of the stick and you're just playing this game. And so are all the dudes, honestly. But like we always come for like the girl that's going to like mess up our love stories and stuff. But like she's just playing the, her own game the best she can. I love that. Mother lover to brother lover. That's our new tagline. <laughs> so I actually did root for the quote-unquote villain in Heirs or The Inheritors, another Kim and sook drama, which I didn't even realize until right now that I've chosen two so far. So Kim Woo-bin as Choi Young-do is a bully who falls for the heroine Cha Eun-sang, played by Park Shin-hai. But Eun-sang only has eyes for Kim Tan, my main man, Lee Min-ho. Young-do's... And this is, this is not... Um, this is not super spoilery, but if you don't want to know Young Do's backstory, then you know this will give a little bit of that away. It doesn't give away like much of the plot of the drama, but this will give away his backstory and kind of why he is the bully that he is, which you find out, you know, in bits and pieces as it goes. So Young Do's mother abandoned him to an abusive father, and he blames, this is one of his false beliefs, his former best friend Kim Tan for not getting to see his mother on the day that she took off and try and stop her. So his mom left. His dad is abusive. His best friend, in his eyes, did him dirty. And the girl he loves, loves his rival. So, oof, talk about baggage. Like, this guy has a lot of it. And the character of Young Do, like, he could have been a one-dimensional bully. Like, he does some awful stuff. Like, there is a scene where they're on, like, a school trip, and he pushes um, Unsang into the pool at the hotel, and it's, like, 40 degrees outside, and they're wearing, like, winter coats and stuff. Like, it's a, he's a shitty dude. But he wasn't one-dimensional. You get to see all of his backstory, and you get to understand why he is the way that he is. And while it does not excuse anything that he does, um, it helps you understand him. Also, it helps that, you know, he is playing a teen, but, you know, looks like he's 25 and likely is older than that. Wrestling with complex emotions and putting on the emotional armor of, I'm going to hurt others before they hurt me, right? That's like... A great trope for an emotional wound is to be the herder so that you don't get hurt. And he was my favorite character in Ayers. And 
you know, I had, it took me a while to get to Ayers and I hadn't seen anything with Kim Woo-bin. I'd only known of his name from Goblin because that's the alias that, uh, that Reaper uses. And so, you know, I'm like, who is this guy that, you know, this famous name? And it is truly a phenomenal role and he does a really great job with it. And, you know, I, I've said this once and I'll say before, it is the reason why I sought out <laughs> the drama that he does star in called Uncontrollably Fond. Um, and I'm, emotional romantic drama um that i both recommend and do not and do not recommend and just go read the description of it and you'll understand why but anyway um yeah he's a great villain that has a great backstory and i actually did root for him and by the end of the drama um you know he doesn't win the girl he's not supposed to win the girl but he is one of those second leads that i will love forever I loved him. I mean, well, Kong Han Newell is in that, and I love him, too. He has boo-boos as well. Everyone has. I mean, this is just the drama of boo-boos, too. <laughs> it is. It is. Everybody. In the, I mean, it's Kim Eun-suk. Like, she does emotional wounds really, really well. And now we're, we're all watching The Glory. Kim Eun-suk. Like, that is. Talk about emotional wounds. Like, we've got a shit ton going on there. So Yungo was going to be my choice originally. Like, that was the first one that popped into my mind. Um in this answer did you save him for me i did and i just realized like you know the sister i haven't talked about very much and so i really wanted to talk about him but young doe oh just the daddy just daddy love me stories and like mommy love me stories they just kill me they fucking kill me i think maybe it's like my parent gene activating but like when i see like these kids that like have everything but the love of their mom or their dad or both in this case you're just like i know i know it's like i mean again i don't forgive him the horrible things he does but i do want good things for him (laughs) i don't really want good things for the one for the character i chose but he was a villain who got me and i'm gonna go with on oju uh in lawless lawyer played by chui min su so look he's a terrible murderer like, I know this, okay? He, in episode one, or I don't know, very early on, he, like, murders a woman and he's about to murder her son. Like, he is fine with murdering, like, a six-year-old boy, okay? He is a terrible, terrible person. But he's also <laughs> this, like, fish market orphan who grow who grew up poor and hungry, watching others get rich. So he'll do literally anything to not you know, anything to get power. So he's never in that position again. And he believes in order to do that, that he has to align with a corrupt judge. And he almost has this like false belief that he's like a partner with her, you know, but he has a realization towards the end of the drama, which this still isn't really a spoiler. You could still watch the whole drama and get way more out of it. But towards the end of the drama, he basically realizes the judge doesn't see him as a partner at all. She sees him as nothing more than a loyal dog. And she calls him that. Says that he should only bark when she tells him to bark. And it's kind of at that point that he realizes, like, she sees him as a fish market orphan. Everyone's going to kind of see him. Everyone sees him as that. Um, and he decides to kind of then 
basically not have this like huge quest for power anymore. He's just kind of, and this is why it's a good villain role because instead of like coming out on top, he's like he comes out on the bottom as he should, but he brings everyone down with him. And I feel like that's what makes him so good and such a great villain. And because he does have this like self-actualization journey. He truly does. But it's like negative. He's like, I'm a shitty person and I've murdered and I've been a loyal dog. And you know what? I probably deserve to like go down in flames. But everyone's I was gonna coming. say he burns it all down. He and burns it all down. And it and it's freaking great. And Leah should just get a hall pass of one one stone cold night of getting him down to the toe socks. Yeah. I reserve that <laughs> it's right. It's just it's just fa- it's like, I think, I know he always comes to mind. Like, I know I've talked to him about him before, but it's because he's written so well. Like, that drama is not my favorite drama. Uh, but his villain role is genius. I want to know who wrote, like, who was responsible for writing that villain role. Like, give me another villain like that, basically. <sighs> so, often an emotional wound is foreshadowed with, like, breadcrumbs. This is like my favorite thing to do as a writer, by the way. So the the audience is kind of like guessing at the emotional wound, but they're never quite sure what it is until the final reveal, which kind of leaves them like surprised. Like maybe you guessed part of it, but not the whole thing. Yada, yada, yada. So what drama did this for you? Okay, I need to talk about both of these really loosely because they're spoilery. Um, So I wanted to talk briefly on two dramas neither of you have seen. One is Be Melodramatic, and one is Fated to Love You. Um, The Be Melodramatic one just got me in my heart, and it still hurts me to think about. So Be Melodramatic is about three friends. Um, One happens to be a drama writer, and one happens to be a director. So I'm going to talk about one of the characters who's a director. And throughout the drama, you understand that... um, she's grieving and you understand that she's lost someone but you don't really get the whole story of what's happened and why it's so impactful and kind of maybe where their mental health could be actually getting called into question even um and it becomes once you start to realize that like maybe some like sixth sense things are happening a little bit it just gets very devastating to like you know, when you realize the profound loss this person's having and kind of what they're holding in their headspace to try to secretly hold on to the source of happiness. And when you realize how much you may have been like misled as a viewer, it's really painful. So does that feel like I talked about without spoiling it too much? Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you say sixth sense, I'm like, okay, yeah. somebody, somebody in the drama is dead. dead. That actually has me intrigued and wanting to watch it now. And loss and pain. And it's very beautiful and very sad. And then in Fated to Love You, we have a situation where, I mean, we have a character. I'm, I'm going to talk about it mostly without spoilers. So if you really don't want to hear anything about Fated to Love You, skip ahead. But we have a hero who makes decisions that feel bad. And you're like, why would they do this? Why are they doing this? And then you realize that they're sitting on some... Re- they have information that we as the viewers didn't have 
about health issues, about projected like things related to them, the, the, their own longevity and their ability, their ability to be like a good partner, present, everything else. And so you realize that like a lot of their bad behavior of like pushing the hair away and things like that, you're realizing is all coming from these positions of like trying to do protection because they actually deep down have these like wounds that like they're not maybe going to be around for very long. And if they are around, they might be not around in good capacity. Um, I just want to say that I watched the beginning of episode one of Fated to Love You like a while ago. I am shocked. It is so slapstick, Leah. So I am shocked that I just I just want a little bit more detail. I know this is total tangent, but it is it was so slapstick that I had a hard time watching it. And I was like, how did Leah do like, I'm just very confused. So please give me please make me understand. It was the most slapstick thing. It was like Cafe Minimdong. This is intriguing to me. The whole like no. dog. It was dumb. the whole like <laughs> dog so in the ring and everything was like slow motion. They show the same thing. Like I know, I know like K drums love that, but it was like the same scene, like three different angles in slow-mo. And it was like the whole thing was just a lot. So their meet cutes really fucked up. They meet cute through like right. being drugged and inebriated, neither by each other, but like that too. I was like, what the fuck? Which was really wild. I mean, it... so that hooked me. I was like, this is crazy. It's so sad. Like, they basically fuck okay. each other and don't know they're fucking each other. They both think they're fucking different people. Right. And they kind of set it up. It's that it nuts. kind of works. And they're not being rapey about it. Like, he's not predating. Like, they're not being predators to each other. They somehow. They, like, it was like they were both consensual in their confusion. Yes. Like, it was very weird. And that's weird. a very, I mean, I've never okay. seen anything like it. So I was immediately like, that's bizarre. And obviously, when that happens, you right. can get pregnant. And so then it becomes, like, that whole complication. And then, look, I was just kind of charmed by, like, the whole kind of, like, premise of it going in. And then, like, halfway through, it turned into, like, the most – I have never been so – like, it was one of the most emotionally painful <laughs> shows and so i mean like the pacing wasn't perfect but i just found it to be crack compulsive watching it is soapy and they just throw so much drama into it that i was obsessed so he basically like okay fucks this like plain jane who's like they call her like the post note girl or something like you know she's just kind of like the girl that like does Mm -hmm. all the jobs in the office or whatever so they both think they're fucking someone else he fucks her gets her pregnant but he's actually like totally in love with someone else that he thought he was fucking that night and so that becomes a big problem too because like you get this other rando pregnant but you're actually in love with someone else so i mean there was just so much conflict and that part wasn't funny like as they unpack it like I mean, there's lightheartedness, but there was, like, a lot of, like, soapy. I mean, like, it's very complicated, but I just kept being, like, I don't know where this is going. I have no idea where this is going the whole time. And then who's the other guy who's in it that we all love? I've just got to look it up to. Oh, the guy from, he's the second male lead from My Love to, or My Love from Another Star. He's the second male lead in that. Yeah, Jin Hyuk. Yeah. Jin Hyuk is in it. (gasps) I think, too. No, he's, um. Mr. Oh no, he's not. He's, he's not my love from. Queen. He's not my love from the star. 
He's the brother in yes. Eris. And then, like, baby... Yeah, he's the chef in Mr. Queen. He's the brother in Eris. I am. He's a zombie no, detective. Is, so he, yeah, you're, you're thinking right. of somebody else, Megan. Then there's um, Choi Ushik. He's, like, in it as, like, a young dude. Like, he's, like, the little brother. Um, so it's just a good... Okay. Maybe I'll try it again. It was just... And I also real like the I was so turned off by the male. So he has a laugh that is so ridiculous. But as the drama goes on, you kind of start to vibe with it. And it's bizarre because at the beginning, it's like it's meant to be so irritating and it is slapsticky. And you're just like, this fucking is ridiculous. Re like he walks into it. Yeah, I was just like, what? How did Leah like this? And he walks into offices and he's just like, <laughs> and it, like it's ridiculous i don't know honestly it is it's a fucking good drama like it all like it kind of to me it okay. went on too long in the end like there were like a couple episodes too many but like if it had been on just a little bit tighter it might even be in my top 10 like it was i really liked it okay and it's got okay. Ra, and we love her we do okay sorry amy you're up no i'm like what are we even talking about i know all right so if anybody we're talking about emotional wounds for emotional wounds being foreshadowed and it actually made me think about like we haven't done book recs on here for a while so i'm actually just going to toss one in right now because there's a book that does this really really well and it's actually a young adult book but it's it's so i mean i shouldn't say but like there's nothing wrong with reading young adult like i love it but this is such a deeply emotional book and it's called we were liars by e lockhart um, and it's one of those books where I can't really tell you anything about it because it is one of those things where it unravels and at the very end, it's like a huge emotional reveal. Um, but if you like that kind of stuff, like what we're talking about here with the breadcrumbs, I highly recommend the book. It, it's one of those books that um, this is back when I was teaching high school English. I had gotten an advanced copy of the book at a conference that I went to. So the book wasn't even out yet. And I had it in my classroom library, and it was one of those books that, like, once a student read it, they were like, oh, my gosh, this is so good. And it would get passed around the room, you know, and, and other people were reading it. And at the end of the year, and this is a, a class of seniors that I had, at the end of the year, I had a student um, who was like, I know this is, like, a really weird, like, you know, ask or whatever. She's like, but would you, like, consider, like, letting me keep the book? Because... I loved it like so much. And I, I think she had like me sign the book like as her teacher because she wanted to like remember where it came from. And I let her keep the book because it was like, you know, it was a it was an arc. Um, and she loved it so much. And she just had that like big emotional connection to it. But it is one of those that if you like that whole sort of breadcrumb thing, I highly recommend it. I also highly recommend a drama that I'm not going to tell you what the big reveal is because I can't. Um, but another great breadcrumby kind of drama with the emotional wounds is flower of evil and i'm sure that you both agree with me <laughs> on this um mm -hmm. i can't i can't say anything about the emotional wound that's going on here without re revealing anything and i don't want to because if you haven't seen this drama it is in my top five it will always be in my top five because it's just that good as far as the i, I didn't expect to have the emotional reaction to this drama that I did. I thought it was a thriller and it is a thriller, but it is an emotional, heartfelt, tug at your heartstrings, rip your heart out, put it back together kind of drama. Um, and I, so I won't ruin it for anybody, but Lee Joon-gi's character is the embodiment of emotional wound in this drama. Like 
just thinking about it, just writing these two sentences about it in our script, I'm like, I need to watch this drama again. It's been too long. Like, you know, like going back to Anoju, like the reason why I watch Lawless Lawyer is because I finished uh, Flower of Evil. And I'm like, I need more Lee Joon-gi, if only to make sure that he's okay. <laughs> Even though Flower of Evil came out after uh, Lawless Lawyer. It was just one of those things that, man, like that is some good, good writing in that drama. They use their emotional wound thesaurus very well. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to say Kuryun, played by Kuhi Sun in Tomorrow. So her emotional wound, um, she's a Grim Reaper. And um, basically her emotional wound is how she died. And, uh, and obviously, you know, she's dead. She's a Grim Reaper. But they tease this out. And like, you think you know, like but you don't really know and it's it's great because everything she does like and her like her personality how she does her job because her job is essentially to prevent people from taking their own lives like she's she's in a task force as a green reaper to prevent that and how she interacts with every single person she's trying to save is all leading back to this emotional wound of of how she died. And I think it's just, it's done really, really well. Um, and to be honest, my one of my major critici criticisms of that show is that they didn't give us more. I, I wanted more with her. I wanted... I had to watch an entire drama of her back. Yeah, so... An entire drama. Exactly. I, I, that's another thing, too. I was almost like, oh, my God, I would have just watched this this she was the sole focus and it wasn't as like vignette as it was so i guess i kind of wanted the drama to be something it wasn't like if you wish upon me is maybe how i wanted tomorrow to be so if you wish upon me has these like vignettes of like people dying at the hospice but um ji chang wook's character is much more woven into all the things that are happening whereas tomorrow um she got pushed aside i would think for like Absolutely. Yeah, like 10 episodes. I was like... That is my... Yeah, that's my one criticism. A, tomorrow is a wonderful drama. It is. But it's I have good. The exact same, I, yeah, I have the exact same criticism because when you do get to the heart of her backstory, it is so good oh. and so compelling. And yeah, I, I just think the whole drama itself could have been better framed yeah. by that backstory. 100%. And instead of them like leaking it out like a little bit here in this vignette and a little bit here in this mm -hmm. vignette, it could have been a common thread. Right. But it wasn't. Yeah. But I would say, like, how it was leaked out was still really, really cool. Um, And then I also would have to say Kim Sun-ho's character, Hong Ju-sik, in Hometown Cha-Cha-Cha. I mean, you know he's got this deep oh, emotional wound. It is teased like crazy. But you don't know what it is. And you don't find out until, like, episode 14 or so. It's a very end. And, um, and it's so shocking. And again... Everything he does, he has so much emotional shielding. He he really has this like false lie about himself. And it's all built on this trauma that he experienced. And it's it's one of the best examples to me of an emotional wound and how well the drama teases it out for as long as they do. That is such a good one. Oh my god. Yeah, gosh. I kind of almost forgot about it. Um, yeah. Not about, I don't know. I did yeah. until you just like said it. It's like we have so yeah, many that's... and we have some that like stick yeah. with us. And I was just like, oh, wait a minute. That was so, that was so good. That was good. Yeah. Good um, boy. I mean, there's so many. There's so many. Oh, yeah. Anyway. 
Good boy. Forgot about good boy. That's a great emotional wound as well. All right, so we'll give you a little break from emotional wounds right now and let you kind of collect yourself, and we'll go to one of our favorite parts of the show, which is our K-pop wreck of the week. And Leah, what do you have for us today? So not technically, technically K-pop, but K-hip-hop. Epic High dropped their new EP, Strawberry, today. So this is a short and very sweet, it is 12-minute long album. Um, there are some notable collaborations, though, in this short album. Uh, one is Jackson Wang, a favorite of the pod, and then also Huasa from Mamamoo. And I mean, lo- honestly, I'm just having like a time with her. She's just like, I love her so freaking much. Um, but I, I mean, all of them are good. The whole album is just like this lovely little nugget. But I'm going to say right now, just like tonight, I love the Down Bad Freestyle song, which is essentially talking about like cancel culture and like haters on the internet. And Tableau, I always love Tableau. He raps in English, so it's also, I feel connected to a lot of his lyrics. But Mithra Jin is like my big hulky lug in this group and he has a deep deep rap voice and I also just love what he does in this and I'm a voice girl and his voice just like sends me every single time so Strawberry is just a lovely small little album um and he Tubbo's been saying that look they're probably going to do another Namjoon collab soon so that's exciting to see what they come up with with RM um but yeah Epic High Strawberry. They've been also promoting this album through memes, which feels rather slapstick and ridiculous. But it's been cute and funny. They've just done ridiculous memes. They had Jean-Claude Van Damme dancing. They've done Sound of Music. They've done Star Wars. And so Tello's just like, I'm doing my all my promos through memes. And look, I just, it feels very... Sometimes I feel my age with them and that feels good. I'm like, you know what? I get it. Sometimes you just want to like, just, you know, we're 40. We want to do memes. It's fine. Do it. (laughs) Nothing wrong with memes. If you enjoy our podcast, you have our patrons to thank, at least in part. Afternoon of Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom. Because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting afternoonadelight.com. That's www.afternoonadelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoona Delight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, glow up your skin with K-merch recs, find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. So what kinds of things do you both like to do when you drive? Pay attention to the road? Is this a trick question? All right, how about when you fold laundry? Why am I folding laundry in this scenario? Read, friends. I was trying to get you to say read. 
You could just ask us if we like to read when we drive or... Wait, how are you reading when you're driving? With Audible. You know, our sponsor, who is the leading creator and provider of premium audio storytelling, enriching the lives of millions of listeners every day. I listen to audiobooks on my commute to work in the car. Oh, yeah. I totally do that. I love my Audible subscription. Then why'd you leave me hanging with the whole driving thing? Forget it. It's not important. What is important is that now our listeners can get a 30-day free trial of Audible Premium Plus from Afternoon of Delight. Do you know what they get with that free trial? Actually, I do. They get one audiobook credit, two if they are Prime members, which is good for any premium selection, and they get to keep that audiobook. They also get the whole Audible Plus catalog of podcasts, like Afternoon of Delight, audiobooks, guided wellness, and Audible originals. And with the Plus catalog, you can listen all you want, no credits needed. And Audible sends you a reminder email before your trial ends. Sounds like a great way to spend 30 days to me, especially if you're heading outside for a walk, have a long commute to work, or just want to hear one of many talented narrators really bring your book to life. All you have to do is go to www.audibletrial.com slash afternoon to sign up and you're ready to download your first listen. Enjoy! So what drama dropped an emotional wound out of nowhere and didn't do a very good job making it believable? I feel like you already had an answer in mind when you wrote this well, question. Well, no, because I uh, I didn't name that one. Uh, but, well, this was kind of in my mind. But All right, Leah, you go for it. Okay, again, try not to do too many spoilers. But when we talk about an emotional wound that just didn't, like, land, I think, as well as I would have liked. I've been thinking about her private life, the drama, a lot lately. I think just because I've been living that fan life. So... I just was not obsessed with K-pop idols when I watched her private life. So I appreciated it. And I was like, this fandom like experience seems really fun, but like I wasn't in it. And now that I'm in it, I'm like, I need to rewatch it just to like enjoy that. Because honestly, I'm like two drinks away from ordering a life-size Yoongi cutout for my own living room. <laughs> so I, I feel it a lot more. So anyway, no shade on the drama. I really love this drama. And I think we don't talk about Ryan Gold enough. However, in this drama, we have an emotional wound that is a spoiler. So I don't want to get into it a lot. But essentially, we have like our hero was abandoned and has a lot of abandonment issues. And he was adopted and um, raised by a, a family in America. And towards the end of the story, we start to get, no, we don't start to get, we just get dropped in. with like It just gets dropped. Wound yeah. No warning. That like everything hinges on another character whose life has like impacted his. And it's like the big surprise that like connects dots and whatever. But it just comes out of complete left field. And so, you know, at the very end of the drama, if you've given no, like the breadcrumb, it shows how important breadcrumbs are. Like we needed breadcrumbs to set up the big sad reveal a lot sooner than we did. Instead of just like, here's this huge drama that we've done. 
here's how there were no breadcrumbs it was just they threw the loaf of bread at you at the end yeah like a yes like an anvil on our head and like the giant trauma sitting in the family just giant and i will say this as like i guess this is like a minor spoiler is a lot of it centered around the fact that the heroine and i do not like this whenever this happens had to repress a humongous memory to make this all work and not just a memory like an entire like her entire like formative years she had to repress the entire like first five six years of her life yes she forgot right. it wasn't it, it it wasn't like she lost a year or a month or whatever it was like yeah but like she remembered all the rest of her life except for this one thing i hated it i'm sorry i <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry i know you guys liked my private life and a lot of people did you can listen to our uh my private life podcast i went on a huge rant. her private life oh her, her private, private life, life. I went on a huge rant, and I, I am sorry, guys, but that pissed me off so much. The fact that they just dropped this emotional wound. Oh, God. You know what? I actually forgot no. how angry it made me, and now you guys are getting me <laughs> riled up. <laughs> and that's why it's funny, because, you know, you hadn't written anything yet when I wrote yeah. when I went to go write my answer last night, and I saw that Leah put her private life, and I was like, well, yeah, that's all I would say is her private life. Like, part of me was thinking of um, what's wrong with Secretary Kim, but they actually did give you breadcrumbs. Right, they did. In in the big reveal for what's wrong with Secretary yeah. Kim. It still was like a kind of a bonkers reveal part of it. It was. It was. But I, I don't fault it as much as I fault her private life. I loved everything about her private life except for that. Except for the big trauma. And I, I forgive it. I mean, it is so big that it has an impact. Same. It has a huge impact. But I don't hold Ryan Gold responsible for that, who is a hero I love. Same. Same. And again, I think that we both came to this drama with a little bit different. Um, Lee and I both came to her private life having known Kim Jae-ook from Coffee Prince already. And I feel like that gave him a little bit of a halo effect for us because we loved him so much in Coffee Prince. And Megan, you hadn't seen Coffee Prince yet. And so we were just so thrilled to see him. But I do think I loved Ryan Gold as a hero. I like you see somebody that you love in a drama and you already love them. And unless they like royally fuck it up, silency <laughs> doesn't it does not change my love for Gong Yu. It does not change my love for Gong Yu at all. But yeah, unless it's like a horrible, horrible, you know, drama or something like that. Um, and they have a horrible, horrible performance. Yeah, I just, I loved him. I thought he was a good hero. And I respect that you didn't, Megan, and that's totally fine. Um, but I do, I do forgive the drama for the the bad breadcrumbs because everything else I loved. Yeah, I don't know. I think I just already was not like super into the drama and I was a little bored. And then that came in and I was just, oh, it put me over the edge. Like I remember being ravenously angry that you guys didn't like warn me. But anyway, that's side the point. So I mine, you, I, mean, I liked it I as remember much you, as not. you did, honestly. I thought we all liked it. I didn't realize that you came out. I blocked out that you didn't like me it as much. No, I definitely didn't like it as much. I Ungi. You were all about Ungi. But. Yeah. But it introduced me to An Bo Hyun, so I give it some credit for that. Remember, An Bo I, I wanted An Bo Hyun. Yeah, and can we just say when I wanted the brother lover? Brother lover, like how did this become? How did this? How did incest become the common thread through this entire episode? If we want to talk about, damn it, Neil. <laughs> okay, he he. <laughs> 
so Unki isn't technically her brother. He's just been the heroine's brother. He's been ra- like right. We have like a we have not even like a stepbrother. We have kind of like a not even an adopted brother. Just like he just lives in their the house. Family just ra- randomly raised this kid, but he's got his mom, and his mom right. is like functioning. But anyway, without getting into the spoilers of the big crazy ass yes. trauma of her private life. The person who's really carrying that trauma the whole time was Ungi. Is Ungi. I know. Because he has to sit there and be like, this is fucking crazy. And we don't know the whole drama. Right. That he's sitting on this thing. Right. And so that's why he takes sad showers and then doesn't even get the girl with this sad suit. Don't, don't. You're making me angry. You guys are making me angry. He's like, not only have I borne the weight of your (laughs) repressed memory that is so painful. But I also love you, and yeah. you don't love me. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So I'm actually going to talk about business proposal. So I liked business proposal a lot. So I'm not I'm not coming down on business proposal. And I'm going to give a slight spoiler, but I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. I swear to God, this does not matter <laughs> if you know. Um, so Kong Tae-mu, the hero, is played by An Hyo-sep. And so they do give this breadcrumb. So I'm going to give it, but the this is, it's the worst trauma. So they give breadcrumbs, but like, I feel like they're misleading. So he doesn't like the rain. And you're like, okay, something terrible, like must, like what, was there like acid rain? I don't know. Was there like a little women moment? Like what happened? And it's, and like he, and I'm talking like he loses it. Like he can be inside and it's like raining outside and he's still like losing his mind. He kicks like the heroine out of the car in the rain when he yeah. freaks out so driving he in the breakdown. rain. He can't even drive in the rain. Well, it makes almost a little bit more sense that he can't drive in the rain. It's the fact that it, it's raining outside and he doesn't even want to like be in the rain. Like he gets like, like, like umbrellas give him trauma. So, and it's because his parents got in a car accident in the rain and died and i and like <laughs> i'm not i'm trying not to laugh is this are we gonna just yes spoiler she, said it, was, she said it was a spoiler <laughs> i said it's a spoiler because it doesn't fucking matter like because when you get this when it's when it's revealed you're gonna be like that's stupid i'm here for the romance you're there for the romance you're not there for like his weird stupid emotional trauma because <laughs> I mean, it's terrible that his parents died, of course. It is terrible. But it's like, I've never heard of this, like, rain trauma. Like, I I, I, I understand if you're like, I understand if you don't want to drive in the rain. Like, I, I, but also, like, he's an adult now. Like, I guess, like, the whole thing, he's like the CEO and he's, like, important. There's weather. Like, Like, there's weather in South Korea. That's what I'm saying. He won't even, like, go outside when it's raining. Like, when it rains, he, like, stares forlornly out a window. It's, like, the (laughs) weirdest thing. And it's funny. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to laugh, but it's funny. But it is funny. Because he's in the back seat. It's dark. And he's in the back seat, and he's like, "I want to go to the amusement park." Which who late at night while it's raining? <laughs> it's after his bedtime, and it was a ridiculous. I mean, it was a time I live by a boardwalk amusement park. This is not a time any parent would be like, "Yes, yeah, great, yeah." Let's and do so it. they're like, I guess, speeding to try to get there, and so they get in a car accident. So he blames himself, but it's the rain. It's the rain part of it. 
that just blows me away. Like, it, <laughs> I still, every time I think about how he's, like, just scared to look at Rain, bl- like, he's standing with, like, an umbrella. Uh, no, no, he, remember he's, like, standing outside and it starts to rain and he, like, starts to lose his shit. And then the heroine, like, comes running up and gives him an umbrella and he's like, oh. And I'm like, you're just standing in rain. It's still raining like, what all is- around you. <laughs> it's still raining. I still, like, I will never get over him driving and then losing his shit when it starts raining and kicking her out of the car in the rain. Like, with nowhere to go. I know. It's so ludicrous. It's, like, just fine. I still loved the drama, though. But this was a stupid trauma. It was a good drama with a stupid trauma. Absolutely stupid. So stupid. All right. Thinking. Speaking of stupid, um, what drama or character didn't even bother with an emotional wound at all, so the character just fell flat? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, I don't think this is totally true, <laughs> but I went with a G Chang Wook's character from Sound. Well, of what Magic. was his emotional wound? Because they wanted him to. Have I don't think he he didn't have one. What? There was no emotional wound. Well, I mean, his emotional wound was he felt pushed oh. by society and decided to jump right off wasn't wasn't there a, like a, a attempted suicide no he didn't have an emotional wound he had mental yeah, illness sort of there was no emotional wound <laughs> i think it was meant to be that society was his emotional <laughs> so... wound, but that needle was not that needle was not <laughs> threaded the entire drama so you're just like he's a sad slightly michael jackson-y questionable he's doing questionable things with a bird <laughs> in his lair bella and actually, poor you know bella what? i'm gonna segue out of this because amy i didn't tell you about this and this is a good enough story that i needed to bring this up i told it to megan you might i might you might have heard about it. did i tell you about the person who slid into my dms and oh, i think this is fucking weird yeah it's so weird. Okay, well, I'm going to talk about it here because I feel like <laughs> Shane Wook wanted to not fuck his bird, but <laughs> somebody came to my DMs for my author Instagram because I posted a picture of the cat and I was like trying to be like a joiner to everyone with their pet love. So I'm like, here's a picture of my cat. You were and... like genuine affection <laughs> in this post. Yeah, with, yeah, with affection. And then shame on me because immediately someone writes me like some dude in my dms and he's like how old's the cat and i was like i don't know why i was like well i'm gonna be friendly to like the fucking cat person and i'm like the cat's one and then he's like i want to like reach through the screen and touch he's so squishy and keep looking and i was like oh like that's a pretty fucking gross thing to do so i was like hard pass on responding and then he just writes yeah what, what delicious, delicious food, food are you feeding him you showed me that <laughs> and i'm like look we're not in a k-drama here like what in god's name i was like oh god i give him some like salmon kibble it's so crunchy he just mm. like i was like disgusting like i'm already trying my best here to like be a cat like an animal enthusiast so we've got so, anyway, mother lover, brother lover. lover, and cat lover. Cat lover. I was like, you want to touch my cat's penis, I bet. <laughs> and we, yeah. Remember our cat? He absolutely episode? wanted to touch that till just your cat's now, penis. Which is shaped like a bugle, now we all know. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> How did that story fit in 
to an emotional wound Bella, falling I don't know. flat. She it was just like someone else wanted to do weird things to an animal. So now, now, now we I just brought bestiality. I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> we did. We did. I'm so sorry, everybody. I wish I had an eject button. I don't. You want to know? You you want to know what doesn't have bestiality? Milf Manor. <laughs> have you watched the whole thing? You don't know. True, maybe. But yeah, I mean, Ji Tang Wook clearly has some sort of emotional wounds because he's deeply fucked up, disturbed. Yeah. yeah. But like, we really don't. Yeah. No, there's no, there's no real backstory. They don't tell us. Yeah. Thanks for listening to my cat, my cat fuck sides. Side I don't like. I was like, where, where, where is the common thread here? Um, and for me, it was. I say that I bring up this drama too much, but it's Lee Min Ho's character in Personal Taste. Um, just a super flat, like a super flat character, and uh, Jun Jin Ho was his his character in that, and I think that was one of the parts. That one of the reasons why the drama just didn't work for me, aside from him, you know, pretending to be gay to live in the house with the heroine um, so that he could get some special architecture plans and win this architecture contest because her dad's a famous architect and designed this house, whatever. But like it was the it was the villain in the villain who was like the ex-boyfriend in that drama who had like the best growth and like turned out to be like he had an arc and was like a changed guy at the end of the drama. And I, I loved him. But Lee Min Ho's character had just like, I mean, his whole delivery of the character, the character had like really no backstory that did anything for him. Yeah, it just fell super flat. Uh, I've shit on this podcast or I've shit on this drama before. So sorry. But um, it's 1% of something. Or something about one. No, it's one percent of something. Or something about one percent. It's like you know, it can change. Um, the male lead was just a total jerk, and there's no reason for him to be a jerk. Like he didn't. And whatever emotional wound, if they did do one, I don't remember it. So it clearly wasn't like impactful. And I'm pretty sure he didn't have anything that was like decent. And yeah, it was just he was just a jerk to be a jerk. And I feel like so his I feel like his emotional journey was just learning how not to be a jerk through his, like, love of the heroine, and it was just so flat because of that. And he wore terrible suits. Megan, Megan, you just won't forgive, you won't forgive um, anybody So what's suit, a car- basically. Like, that weighs on you big time. I know. <laughs> Except An Bohyun. An Bohyun can wear a bad suit. He wears great suits in military prosecutor Doberman. Just want to point that out. Military uniforms and amazing suits. It's fantastic you have and you even get to watch him be tailored for a suit um so to wrap this up because we're writers and we write emotional wounds what is uh our favorite emotional wound for a character that we have written i'm always gonna love my hero for my first book series Fran, who did not get named Dylan Baxter, if anyone remembers how I had a horrible name for my original hero. I, but, I, I will never get over that that was your first chosen name for him. And so since I spoke about my like kind of like toxic love for the Byronic hero, 
I kind of had this character as such where over three books we start in much more of like the mad, bad and dangerous to know kind of situation and bring someone through like full healing where at the end they're hopefully going to be like a dude who's going to like be more in the embodiment of like what we love in BTS of somebody who is more nurturing and non-toxic and gentle masculinity. And so I enjoyed doing that. And I got to do it over three books, which was extra fun. And I did have a so, hero with a touch phobia. I forgot to mention him. Uh, and I do like him. And I'm actually going to bring that guy back. So I got the rights back to that book. It's a little novella that was called Into Your Arms. And um, yeah, one of my goals for this year, so I will name it so it will come true, is I'm going to rework that plot. Um, still keeping a hero with a touch phobia. And, um, yeah, it's just like a, it's like a fun, dirty book. And I just want to make it longer and dirtier and crazier and change some of the things that I didn't love. Cause it is a short book. It's only like 20, I wrote it in a weekend. It's like 20,000 words. You wrote that in a fever dream. I did. I wrote it in a fever dream and he has a very expensive fish because if you are a person who cannot experience physical yeah, I guess I did like an, I got a robot, didn't I? Or I'm not a robot, except he wasn't allergic to people. So I'm actually going to talk about a different book than I had originally thought of because I just I just turned in a book today and I, I just turned in a book today to my editor and I just finished reading a book at like half past midnight last night and I'm realizing how much I do love like some big, deep emotional wounds. Um, so I did just finish writing a book with um, a hero who is a widower um, and has some major false beliefs about himself not just from, you know, from losing his wife, but from the way that it happened, because it was an accident. Um, and I won't give anything away, but it was an accident that he was sort of involved in. And so he has this, you know, he's trapped in that sort of, you know, limbo of what if, like, what if I had made a different decision? Would things have turned out differently kind of thing? All the while, three years later, like starting to fall in love with somebody else, because it's a romance. And so finishing this book and I like I maybe I got really schmaltzy at the end I don't know but I was loving all the emotion at the end as I'm like finishing it up like writing my epilogue and you know sending it to my editor and then I finished a really like rip your heart out emotional book last night like I went to bed with like swollen eyes and then I actually messaged Leah uh this afternoon I was like do you remember when you helped me plot this book and I'm not going to say anything about it because there's some big reveals in it, but I'm like, remember when you helped me plot this book and then I never wrote it? I'm like, I think I just need to write this right now. And she's like, you love your sad love. And I'm like, I do. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I love reading stuff that rips your heart out and I apparently need to write some more of it too, because I, it's weird to enjoy writing a widower, but I, it's cause I enjoyed diving into the emotion that came from that whole situation and what it was like for him to fall in love again. Um, so obviously my books are just a little different. <laughs> I'm not going to mention any of the books I wrote under Megan Erickson. I would say mainly cause, Oh my God, I like for almost forgot about all of them. Um, it's been a long time, been several years, but so actually one of my favorites uh, was obviously one of my alien romances. It's called Rexer. And um, so this alien race uh, 
you know, they're like a warrior race. So like they put a lot of um, effort into like their, their abilities, uh, their close knit and uh, Rexer during uh, an important war was kidnapped essentially. And he was experimented on. So he is changed. Uh, he has wings. Essentially, they almost like gave him a double personality. So he has kind of these like rage issues. And every time he kind of goes into a rage, he's like losing a little bit of himself. And he knows he thinks that eventually the rage is going to completely take over and he's going to be like a mindless beast. So he truly believes that he is a monster and he believes that he cannot return home uh, where his two brothers are. And um, it's not until he meets the heroine. And of course, it's alien romance. It's sci-fi, a little bit of fantasy. Um, she kind of helps uh, keep that rage at bay through their their like mating, I guess. <laughs> But a big part is that he has to understand that he is still welcome at home. Because that's one thing he thinks that as a changed warrior, that he's altered. It means he's weaker and that his family and the rest of the, the warriors won't accept him. And he has to realize that he, you know, has his strength still and he's still at heart who he was and that he can return home. And that home is... You That's know, some good emotional wounds for your alien. Yeah. Yeah, it was... I know, right? Well, I mean, in honesty, it's really easy to write... I, not easy, but writing emotional wounds for aliens right. is great. Because you can have all kinds of shit happen to them. You can have, like, their <laughs> planet blow up. Like, you could... Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you can give them these awful core emotional wounds, and then you can have... A little bit of fantasy and science fiction elements help cure it. But I mean, at the end of the day, um, you're still dealing with emotions. You're still dealing with the same emotions that like humans deal with. So you can still write like like the yeah. emotional wound formula. You, you know can what go I mean? bigger with but it. But it's just you kind of have you can go yeah, I mean you really can. I mean, I've given some of my aliens some like horrible horrible core wounds where like their entire family <laughs> slaughtered or whatever <laughs> it's terrible but but i love writing like their journey to happiness a lot I, I would say like um like a core theme i write in a lot of my books is what home means and home is usually like where your loved ones are or uh, it's not a place do you have anything else that's it i really like that mm. No, I think, yeah, I mean, we went, this was fun. <laughs> I hope you guys like this because when we asked, <laughs> when we asked our Patreon members kind of like, what do you want to like hear from us? And a lot of them said that they wanted more like kind of author specific content. And so that's, that's what this episode is. You can't get much more like author content than And Megan's analyzing next book is going to be called moves. Mother Lover. <laughs> And mine will be called Cat Dick. Brother Lover. <laughs> Cat Dick, sorry. Bro Brother Lover, then like subtitled Cat Dick. Mine will be like, you know what? I'm going to put that. 
<laughs> I'm going to put in... Mine will be like monster so, mother lover. So let it be written. So let it be done. I'm going to rework my no-touch hero phobia thing. And I will have... I will rebring my cat dick story into it. Because that would actually be pretty fun. Yes. E. Great. <laughs> yeah. Um, she can be, have a cat. Does he have she a cat? Can have she a cat. can. Yeah. And He's I can do whatever I want because I'm going to change probably like... Nice. 50% of the book. To do are you going to make it full? Are you going to make it full length? Yeah, I think I'm going to make it full yeah. length. And I have like, I want to change kind of like, uh, I want to change I the black. Mo- I mean, there's just a lot that got messy that I don't like. So I'm going to just change it. Keep the premise, change everything. I think that I. Yeah, I mean, it's fun to rewrite. I mean, I'm doing it now. Like I, you know, kind of wrote this whole book and then I got to the end and I would re- now I'm like leaving the breadcrumbs. It's funny because I often do that because there are sometimes a plot point that I like add in at the end because like as I'm writing it, I'm like, wait a minute. Right. This would be mm-hmm. perfect to do this here. But then I have to go back and add in the breadcrumbs, which is what the no, which is what the writer they just threw, it, threw it at the end. They're like, have fun with this. <laughs> but look, here's their problem is that they're writing yeah, on the fly. The end, on the didn't fly. Right. bother like going back. Right. Of, you can't go back. You're like, shit, what are we going to do? They are. They are. I couldn't. I couldn't do that. I've written like serial type stuff where like I release it. I released it in like my reader group, um, like a chapter at a time. But like I was really upfront. Like I wasn't doing it. I was doing it for free. Like they were reading it for free. And I felt like I could have like errors and stuff because they were reading it for free. Um, But when I actually like finished it, then I went back and like had to fix things like <laughs> I did have to like go back and add in like breadcrumbs of like plot I mean the way that, that I the way that I write because I'm a very linear mm-hmm. writer and so I go straight through but then like I will leave myself notes like yeah. in the comments be like check this in the last book you know like because I don't mm-hmm. remember and yeah to to make sure that things are accurate like I actually was doing a read-through last night because it was you know due today I was doing a read-through and I was like I got to a point where I was like oh I didn't keep this in the book later <laughs> like I need to take it out you know so anyway yeah okay well anyway we hope you guys enjoyed it and this was really fun for us so let us know kind of you know what other writer stuff you want us to chat about and we'll get to it yeah thank you thanks for listening everyone thank you for listening to afternoon of delight where can you find us outside the pot? Head on over to AfternoonAdelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T dot com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, annyeong!